0: G'day, thanks for tuning in to the Engineering Dads podcast. Today we'll be talking to Dr. Sasha Niklick from the University of Wollongong on his most recent research regarding chat GPT versus engineering education assessment. And before we start, a quick disclaimer that everything you hear in today's episode is purely opinions only, but we hope you enjoy the show. finally back talking about one of our favorite topics probably in one of our top three i would say um, easily space, top one <laughs> renewable energy and sean chat gpt or well, ai ai, AI let's say ai yeah and i've been hanging to get uh, ai or chat gpt guest on so dr sasha niklik welcome to the engineering dads podcast um like i said been very excited to get you on um been recently looking into your latest research paper uh, how you doing
1: um, doing well. Thank you very much for inviting me on. I'm really excited. No, we're very
2: excited to talk about AI and some of the research that you've done. Um, with these podcasts, we kind of start and end in a very similar way. Um, who is someone that you idolize?
1: Okay, so idolize is a very strong word for me. I'd say um, respect. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I respect quite a. a A range of people, you know. You can look at someone like Nikola Tesla for his innovation to society. Mm. Um, You can look at someone like Djokovic for his strength in (laughs) mentality. Uh, Mental strength, I mean, sorry. And then when you're looking at my field of education, uh, probably the engineers will be shocked by this, but it's actually someone from the field of arts. That's Sir Ken uh, Robinson, uh, who's who's passed away in 2020. But he... um, He was very popular and he did a lot of keynote motivational speeches uh, with the main theme being on creativity Mm -hmm. about breaking the the barriers that education has placed on society Mm -hmm. and when i transitioned from the technical to the educational side of things um, he was that inspiration when i started watching some of his his talks um, in, in his conversations, he really talked about how students are in such a strong stimulatory in, environment and we sort of like trying to box them in and say, ignore all that stimulation, but it's it's not possible. I can see it with my own kids. Yeah. So in my field of work, mm. I've been trying to, you know, use technology to bring the students alive, uh, to see if we can use technology to help them to become more efficient, more productive, uh, and so forth. Wow! Perfect. In terms
2: of questions, that's probably the best answer that we've had for that first question as a guest. That is that's <laughs> incredible. I guess that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: good answers. But um, yeah. So just an introduction to the audience, Dr. Sasha Niklik, You've won multiple awards. Uh, including the Award for Education, Engagement, and the Lite Innovation Award in 2016, University of Wollongong Impact Maker in 2018 and 2019 Citation for Outstanding Contributions to Student Learning. You've done multiple research uh, with research outputs of engineering education and knowledge management, uh, running online from peer, ranging from online peer-assisted learning using mixed reality technology, student learning experience in virtual worlds. The relationship between student evaluation scores and perceived learning. More recently, ChatGPT versus engineering education assessment. So, perfect. Um, Yeah, so I guess my my first question is I've I've got a lot. um, So, I don't think we'll get through them all today. But just the the core of the chat, our very first podcast we did on ChatGPT, was probably a week or two after it was officially released to the public. Um, We sort of heard it being spoken about, you know, with mates at the pub, talking about oh have you used chat gpt i'm like no what's that and then it was like oh it's just it's ai i'm like yeah it's another one of those chatbots. you know that that many of them existed mm. beforehand that weren't ai it was just you know a lot of coding but when i looked into it and we did our first podcast one of the items that i raised was the fear in i guess tarnishing the human brain um if it is used as, as an educational tool because one of the things we talked about was chat gpt as an educational tool If students were to rely on AI too much, would that tarnish their understanding of engineering concepts? Because we can all agree that as engineers, you need to understand the concept to be able to apply it. Um, What, I guess, are your thoughts around that? It's a complex question and a very complex
1: answer. Um, The The problem that we have with AI is that there's a a long list of ethical questions that we have to work through as a community. And most of those questions have no answers at the moment. Mm. When it comes to learning, uh, there is not really much known about it. And that's how I got into this topic. Uh, When evidence started to, to filter through that ChatGPT could pass um, examinations. Everybody started to to ask questions, and in the engineering field, you know, uh, I'm the educator, I'm the engineering educator, and people start asking me questions, and I'm like, um, I don't know. And then I reached out to some like colleagues from different universities, and they didn't have any answers. We looked at the research to see what the research could tell us Mm. and there was no answers in the research and that's what spurred me into this field and uh, the team that I put together in trying to get some of those answers Uh, in terms going back to your specific questions in terms of learning one of the, the problems that we're going to have short term is what bias is built into the training data yep so you're going to have a whole range of different ai platforms that are going to become dominant and the question is how were they trained and what influences how are those influences going to impact on our opinions Mm. so i haven't got a full answer but all i can say it's a work in progress across the community Mm. there was um. In one of
2: your discussions where you talked about this and there was a, it was a group presentation, um, part way through it delved into, well, if an engineer uses ChatGPT to build a bridge and the bridge collapses, who's responsible? And it just, <laughs> the, the topic kind of just split to where, where's the onus? And that's a very good point of in, in this day and age, it's moving so quickly.
0: Where, where do we draw the ethical lines here? The um, line of responsibility yeah <laughs> i mean we're all soon to be tesla drivers and one of the big questions around that in self-driving yeah. is when we go into fsd level five um who is responsible if something happens and where do you draw that line mm. um in the educational field i i myself i'm not an educator but i wouldn't would never be able to answer that question mm. so i don't imagine we'll ever get the answer in the short term yeah. Until we move into a GPT five sort of scenario, we're still not near.
2: Yeah. <laughs> that that it, mark. Well, actually, speaking of like trajectory of software, we're talking about this report that you've written. Um, it was released early this year. Oh, can I can't use that? Um, I think it was March 23. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And in your summary and in your presentation, you said days after. Uh, this was, or days before this was released, ChatGPT 4 got released. And so we're seeing this ever evolving. So even the time to write a research paper in a field that didn't have much, um, another version came along. Where do you see the trajectory of these GPT softwares?
1: All right. So just to put some perspective on what my paper is for the listeners, mm. uh, my my study that we did with my colleagues from across Australia was to investigate how our assessment tasks would be impacted by ChatGPT. And we did that via a, a range of different assessment tasks. So we have quizzes, you have numerical questions, oral, uh, project work, laboratory work, uh, research, and so forth. And from that research, we discovered where ChatGPT has strengths, where uh, engineering education assessment has strengths. Now, we published that work just over six months ago now and in a, a, a timeline, it's pretty much like 100 years old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Honestly.
0: I, I would yeah. have to agree because when I was reading through some of the answers, um, I guess you, you had some of the example questions and answers, especially with writing code and solving mathematical mm. problems and um, I guess there was there was also ethical questions that went into it as well like on personalities and stuff and I was like this reminds me of when I first opened the model but now when I've used I use it for a lot of coding Mm. um, you know projects and it actually spits out the output of the code whereas in the paper (laughs) the output was just a couple of lines of if this and that or (laughs) that's what's wrong with your code fix it up but now it's spitting out full programs um, writing applications for people Um, if you're a software developer you could develop the software like you normally do Tell ChatGPT GPT that I want to make it better. How would how do you make it better? Here's my current code. What do you think's wrong with it? How, and it gives you the answer in a matter of five seconds, rather than <laughs> three hours on Stack Overflow or out for a
2: Well, know. actually, one of the examples I was kind of talking to you before in the presentation, you showed someone who has no coding ability make Flappy Birds. <laughs> yeah just well, not the design elements, but the actual code, they just copy and pasted it from chat, yeah, gbt. We'll, we'll flush it
0: up on the screen now. Yeah, <laughs> incredible.
2: incredible. So no understanding of how it, the code works, but it, oh, it worked. Yeah. Uh, this is what it should do. This is feedback. And one of the lines, I think you you, you started the presentation was um, chat gbt, oh, sorry, AI isn't bad. You're just bad at writing prompts or That's something right. along <laughs> those lines. <laughs> yeah. I really like that line because it's true. And like the level one, level two, level three responsing to, to get the right answer you need to know what the answer looks like first. That's correct. And AI will help you get there, but it's yeah. not gonna be the, the bridge to get you there straight away.
1: That's right. And when it comes to students using it, that is how you can tell those who are using it, mm. because those who don't understand what the output ChatGPT is giving them, they don't yeah. understand that it's wrong. Yeah. And they don't know how to modify the, the prompt to get the answer that they need. Mm. So, same with that Flappy Bird example. While he didn't know how to code, he knew the, the, the procedure, the flowchart of ideas hmm. of how everything had to be done. Even though ChatGPT helped him, yeah. you have to have that overarching. You
0: need wisdom. to understand the architecture yeah, of what you're doing. Because, like especially with mathematical stuff and one of my favorite my favorite professors who I know you've been working with, and I hope he's listening to the podcast, um, had a statement. I had a quote, and it was: "Think of ChatGPT like the sixth member in a group chat." Yeah. To me, that means the person who doesn't rock up, but they are <laughs> but they are still reliable. You never see them. Give me Flashbacks to engineering, yeah. <laughs> but when you ask them a question, they will just they will go and find the answer. They don't know what they're looking at. They will just find it, and that's what I found with the mathematical side of it, is it's not that reliable with math, but it will give you the solution, right? It's like solve this, I don't know, projectile motion, whatever, argument, sake, equation. And it will say, this is what it is. This is the steps to solve it, but do not ask it to put the numbers in. Do not give it the example, (laughs) like 99% of the time from my experience, statistically, I don't know what it is, it's been wrong. Yeah, (laughs) so I guess as an educator, is that something you see students relying on GPT the engineering equations and just getting the wrong answer and copying and paste? Or are you not able to tell the difference between someone who's relied on a GPT versus, I guess, not studying?
1: Well, when it comes to numerical in, in terms of student use, I haven't really collected and analyzed data on that yet. I have um, implemented in one subject at the moment, which is a project-based subject. Uh, which James actually was involved with, <laughs> um, and the the key element there was what I was mentioning before: those students who don't, who haven't got that critical thinking to understand what was what the output, how was it was erroneous. If you didn't have that critical thinking, you were submitting stuff that you shouldn't have been submitting. Mm. Yeah. So the same will happen with with numbers in that if you don't have that higher level understanding, there's a high risk of it going, giving the wrong answer. So even with this industry project, I warn the students that ChatGPT hallucinates a lot. Yeah. For example, you could say, give me the Australian standards of that are associated with this project. And ChatGPT might go through and go through the British standards, mm. put all the British standards and label them and just change the BS to AS and and say it's Australian (laughs) standards, you know? So I I told the students, what you have to do is whatever information comes, you use that as a brainstorming technique, Mm. you know? Let it inspire you, but you have to verify everything it tells you. And that verification is a part of the critical thinking that I'm trying to extract
0: from my students. So I think that will make students and everyone smarter in some respects. And the reason is going back to that project, I remember from the first day when we gave the brief, it was focus on the knock-on effects. Don't just focus on, you know, the one solution. What what is what is the process flow around that? And the solutions they were coming up with, the considerations they made was like, hang on a minute, this is not something I expect to see from students. This is stuff I expect to see from someone who's been working in the industry for a few years. And whether they use GPT or not, that's you know, completely a completely separate thing. But that to me is a benefit of using chat GPT in, in something like that is you could you could ask it these questions. I have this solution. What are the knock-on effects? I don't know. And it prompts them to have that critical thinking aspect and become smarter around topics. Mm-hmm. For myself personally, I've, I've learned how to build my own machine learning models that would normally take me probably months to do, but it's taken me days just by looking up a code troubleshooting it myself and feeding it back into to chat gpt so
2: yeah seeing what you've done with machine learning in a very short period of time is terrifying <laughs> it is scary what he i've he sent me videos every now and then i'll i won't send it because they're they're some of them will be tiktoks and youtubes and whatnot but it's very impressive and you
0: told me like 80% of it is chat gpt helping you write that code or well, qa chat, <laughs> chat gpt telling me how to fix the code yeah like i've thought of the architecture and it's saying oh I've maybe change that oh, i put that box over there to make it look nicer because yeah. one thing is making it and the second part is making it interesting yeah how do you how do you make this stuff interesting um
2: no yeah. it's 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 a very scary area to be in um seeing you learn that quickly um okay well speaking on learning in ai yeah. um there was an article released by the abc yesterday it was by james purdle and he was talking about uh, ai use in schools and the idea at the start of the year was it was going to be rampant. Um, everyone's going to be using it. Um, what they found, a few things I, I gleaned from that report was, one, that AI uh, was almost impossible to detect. If you wanted to use it, you could. There's ways around the safeguards, and you could use AI to write ways to get around AI detection tools, um, and two, that there was an initial overestimation of how people use AI, that from a U.S. study from the U.S. Report Center of Democracy Technology, they expected um, only 20% of reports actually used AI, whereas 60% of people had used AI for other things. Um, What is your kind of feeling of where AI will go and how do you imagine education should either incorporate or try and um, move around AI into the future?
1: All right. It's a, a very big question that you yes, me yeah. there. Yes, so there's <laughs> Multiple ways to think about. It. I'll probably start, and you might have to bring me back in. Yeah, no worries. When it comes to to cheating, it, what we have to assume as a community is that if the assessment task is non supervised, mm. students will use it. Yep. If, if if knowledge is critical and we need the competency. Uh, requires confirmation, and we need to ensure that the student understands that, there's no choice but to ensure the assessment task is provided in a supervised environment. Mm. If we're going to to give unsupervised assessments, we need to think about how we're going to integrate AI into that assessment. So there's two different approaches we could take. One is we can ignore that ChatGPT doesn't exist. And students will use it um, regardless. And they will use it their own way and create their own ethical understanding of how it should be used. Or as a community, what we can do is we can start integrating it into their learning and teach them the ethics behind its use. Mm. Um, And uh, the next part of your question is in regards to... uh, employment. One thing that companies need to understand is that if if an employee is uploading any IP into the system, then that IP basically is accessible by anybody. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because it's now being used as training data for the GPT, right? right? That's right. And you can even write prompts to see what
1: somebody else has asked to <laughs> upload or and stuff like that. And uh, a lot of companies are being caught out. So this is where the teaching that ethics um, with the students is important because if our like fourth year students are starting to use ChatGPT on their own and they're not getting this training, mm. next year they go into the company and start using ChatGPT uh, with the employer's data, yeah. straight away we could be having breaches. Mm. So that's why this education needs to start ASAP. Yeah. Uh, And that's what we're starting to do slowly. The problem is that there's so many questions, so many things to be done that it's going to take time. It's it's Mm. going to be a slow process. And that's what I've been trying to do in my role and my team members is trying to get the message out. This is how ChatGPT is going to impact education. These are the questions you need to be aware of the risks. And we have to work out as a community,
0: how do we make changes mm. well i mean like you look at the most recent updates to it and i think this is released in the last couple of weeks is you can now build your own gpt model with its own set of instructions you can upload files to it um a good example i've i've built my own like python gpt model to give me daily prompts in just refreshing the brain um and i don't know if that will in the future be sort of streamed off the open ai platform and you can use it Specifically in education, in the in in the employment sector, in industries and whatnot, because you, what you're doing is you, you're training it to do a specific thing rather than this whole generic um, idea. But I, I guess where I'm going with that is back in the first podcast, this is what I said: is you would have a specific GPT, not necessarily a Chat GPT, it could be any GPT. For example, this is just one sort of yeah. platform. Um, is that something that's possible? like Tacking onto what you said is is education would have its own i guess model i don't know, kind of like moodle in a way you've got moodle that is used for assessment marketing quizzes and whatnot there would be the i don't know uni gpt instead yeah of- you're going to get closed
1: close the boxes that's that's
0: going to happen and i think that's
1: where microsoft is going yep. because they're creating this co-pilot and i haven't gone into detail but i believe what they're going to be selling to businesses is this closed environment. So whatever you put in there is your data. It stays in there. And with that model, I think they're going to make billions of dollars. That's oh, not yeah. financial advice to uh, anybody. <laughs> <laughs> to invest early. Yeah, <laughs> to invest early. But I, I think their vision, yeah. if I'm predicting it correctly, is, is spot on. Because uh, corporations, when they realize the potential, are going to want to use it. And if they know that they can use it in a safe way, Environment, mm. it will take off because the productivity enhancements from using it—it's—it's it's breakthrough. Uh, we talk a lot about students, but even as, as staff members, you know, people are using ChatGPT as a staff members. Yeah. So if you're a staff member not using it, you're basically falling behind in terms of efficiency. So in education, we're talking a lot about our students, but we're not talking about ourselves and how we're falling mm. behind yeah. while well, not using
0: <laughs> <laughs> I guess perfect because I wanted to ask a question on staff using um, ChatGPT. I remember when I was in uni, right, and you had like an assessment you had to do and there was always a, a strict criteria that you had to follow as a marker, right? Like is the student meeting this part of the criteria? Is it not? And especially in lab experiments, because this is where I get PDSDs, you would do the experiment, you would do the report and... Not you wouldn't meet the criteria because your results didn't show that but you would have to tweak the answers and you know sort of bullshit your way into saying you it's you,
2: not, you didn't you're not supposed to bullshit your answers james that's no, not the no, correct not
0: bullshit your answers but, but bullshit how your answers sorry. fit answer the answer integrity
2: is very critical <laughs> at the university <laughs> about,
0: um, not talking about bullshitting answers but, that sort of tweaking your answer yeah. to say this is how it meets the criteria
2: uh-huh.
0: um, and you would sometimes get marked out cuz sorry you haven't met met the criteria but sometimes the marker was subjective. Like, okay, I see what you've done. I understand you got this result. Fine. Would chat GPT ever be part or AI be part of the assessment panel, the marking panel? Is that something where in your line of research, you see it going? And how would you close that gap between markers who are subjective because they are subjective markers versus an objective marker? Would it be like the the extra member, again, the sixth member of the group um, or would it just be a mark, I guess, a marker of a quiz for something that is just, yeah, it is yes or no, or it's multi-choice? It, it's,
1: it's a complicated uh, answer because it all depends on the implementation. At the moment, um, I've watched uh, YouTube videos of people actually trying that already, and it's it, it works. You can get uh, better, give better feedback to students through ChatGPT uh, analysing, uh, would assessment work mm. than what would be t- typically given by an academic markup. Yeah. Uh, because it can go to much more detail, much more depth. It can align specifically to the marking rubric. But I, I don't know if it's actually going to get there because I think we're going to have to switch things up a little bit because if we can use ChatGPT to mark it, why would we use that as an assessment task that we would actually use for grading purposes. When if ChatGPT can mark it, why not do it as a feed, formative feedback loop, where the student writes something, they submit it itself to ChatGPT. Yep. They get the feedback. All right, improve it. <laughs> yeah. And 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 update it uh, <laughs> until it agrees. Uh, it's hundred percent. It's hundred percent. Yeah. You don't need to mark it, but you can put the student through that training process to get better. Yeah. Yeah. And If we can go through that process, then where's the mark going to be? Is it going to be on the final output? Well... In effect, the the learning objective can change from what's actually written to has the student got the critical thinking and the prompting ability to go through that formative feedback hmm. process to,
2: to understand the process to understand, to understand how understand, yeah.
1: to take something that they don't know how to do well yeah and and you get the result that they need. I've, I've just just, just
0: done a quick Google on that. Yep. Um, Grammarly actually introduce like course, chat gpt in their system because like what as what you were sort of describing is similar to how grammarly works how you give it your essay or your report or whatever it is mm. and it will sort of say you know I, there's a better choice of words i mean with gpt4 you can tell the model hey can you have the personality of morgan freeman <laughs> for example
2: i i knew a, a co-worker who said he wanted to write a, a linkedin post and he goes this isn't climate enough so he says Write this like Greta Thunberg would write it, and and then went oh that's a bit too a bit too intense. Uh, how about more like Obama? And then it went oh that's that's very eloquent. And then that was the LinkedIn post, and we didn't know, and we were like wow that's a really good
0: post. It goes oh, yeah. <laughs> and internally in the meeting he goes yeah I kind of just copied. It it just happens yeah. Um, whereas I feel like the feedback from some markers might be a bit blunt, and students might get. in some respects offended or not offended or it's Mm. not constructive enough but if you can tell a model to be super constructive give me really really constructive criticism on my essay on my technical report and like you said it's an iteration it's i guess reinforced learning or whatever it's called i'm not too familiar with the terms then that yeah that is the sky's limit
2: the the reinforced learning bit i really enjoy the your colleague Kaz mentioned that um they came back to engineering maths and she, they encourage to use ChatGPT, and the number of questions coming to the email just dropped like dramatically off a cliff. Yeah. Because instead of posting and waiting an hour, uh, a few hours, or an email, or onto Chegg, you can get an answer like that instantly. Yeah. And so you just it, what,
1: don't know if it's going to be right when it comes. Well, to yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: Well, actually, yeah, in your um, presentation as well was. If you could explain it really, really well, it might get the answer correct, specifically for the, the tough math stuff. So, as you were skilled to prompt it. But a lot of the time, it could understand the mythology, but the answer was just wrong. That's right. Straight wrong. So,
1: it gives you the most of the time it was giving you the right answer, uh, mm. right explanation of how it got the answer, but the actual answer was wrong.
2: <laughs> the most critical part of the that most question. Yeah. Part. Uh,
1: but if that was an assessment task, you would have got partial marks for yeah. all your explanations of how you got to that. Last be that was wrong. Yeah.
2: yeah. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. Something that you said there was, um, uh, yeah, so that getting the answers correctly and explaining it was really critical. There was three ways to get a, a pass mark was level one, level two, level three in your report. Level one being if you just posted the question right in, yeah. would it give you a passing mark? Level two was did it require a bit of prompting. That's right. Level three was, okay, you need to really understand what the answer should look like, and you can kind of encouraged GBT to, to move in that direction. In your, cross that split, yep. where would you find that most of the answers lied in the level two, level three, or could a lot of the current tests just get passed in level ones? Yeah,
1: depending on the assessment task. Mm. Um, so when it came to your typical online quiz, uh, pretty much level one, level two was, was all that was needed. Mm. When you got into activities, assessments that require that greater critical thinking is when you really needed to understand what the output needed to be look like. Um, and, and that was the variability. Um, I just wanted to also make one point back to that previous conversation about the writing style. Um, one thing a lot of academics have been saying, but they don't understand is they've been saying that they can see the, the writing difference and they can see that it's wrong. But that's again comes down to bad prompting. Mm. Cause a student can train ChatGPT to write as they do. So if they train it with their own writing, yeah. they can mimic that.
0: Yeah. And, nice. and
1: and you know, students can get away with it that way there. Um, so so when it comes to that project work, that research work. You, the shouldn't is a critical thinking because I need to the, do that verification that we're talking about before. Yeah. Um, you, when, for example, it comes down to reflection, there are certain components. So you need to be aware of what methodology you're going to be you know, doing the reflection. Um, say it might be, um, you know, you might need to in- include some examples. You might need to include some reflections and all that. And you might not know how to structure it, but if you tell ChatGPT, I need you to write a reflection using this reflective framework, these are the um, reflections that I feel, this is what I experienced, and so forth, Mm. ChatGPT can mesh that up into a great answer. in written form. So if you don't know how to communicate, but you know the principles, yeah. that's where ChatGBT can, can help you as a, yeah. as a tool. Be
0: the buddy again. Yeah. yeah. Um, that's one,
1: of the, oh, one of the things that you said
2: as well was in a previous presentation was, if you give ask a basic question, it'll give you a basic answer. It all depends on your context.
0: That's right.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: um, I, I noticed you t- kept touching on Sheg and all that sort of stuff. And, and Wolfram Alpha was someone. yeah. Wolfram Alpha. And I know you want to talk about the learning rate as well. But one of the questions I had is, I I would, if someone was to tell me, I don't know if you would agree or disagree that the access to information um, has increased because of chat GPT. I wouldn't say the access has increased. I would, I would say those resources have always been here, like things like Sheg, Wolfram Alpha, Course Hero, all, this, all these students use them because they're available. And this is sort of reducing the gap between having to look it up, go to the website and scrape the data. And I'm not touching on your point, you know, don't get it to... Chegg will give you the solution um, and math. So there's still some room to be used. Um, would, you, would you agree with that sort of statement that it hasn't actually increased that access to information? It's just help you find the resource, for example. It's help you find the reference. Like if you... Back on the verification, if you have to verify information... Have you found the textbook? Um, you can ask ChatGPT. Okay, thank you for giving me the answer. Tell me how you figured it out, and I'm going to go look at that resource myself.
1: You know. Yeah, I agree. Information is out there. A lot of information is on Google. Um, I I grew up. I was in high school when Google started to come out, and it wasn't that great a, a search engine back then. You know, I used Google, or was it Alster, Alster Vista or or whatever that was called, all those. And they weren't good. So because they <laughs> weren't good, you actually became an expert at searching. Yeah, And the prompting. At, at, at prompting, because it was hard to get the answer that you want. These days, people like have no problem, but when they get stuck and can't find what they want, mm. they haven't got that ability from people that I've been associating with to sort of like work. all right, so how do I get that? Yeah, the th- that, answer, that That, that <laughs> answer now when, when it's not obvious. And the techniques that I learned when it was a broken system. Yeah, oh, I really find coming this. back, like, yeah. Man, how did you find that? It's like, ah, uh, from, from my younger years. Yeah, yeah. And then we're kind of at that stage here with AI where the system works, it's not perfect. It's going to be much better in like 10, 15 years. Mm. But whoever's using it now, is going to develop a whole range of prompting yeah. sk- prompting skills that the next generation um, is not going to have or appreciate because the system is going to be- it's so easy. So easy yeah. to, to It's all use. going to be
0: transfer learning sort of thing where the model's been trained and you're just now tweaking it, not reinventing the wheel, just using it to your advantage. Um, I never thought of it that way actually. And, and ChatGPT, in- some ways got offended when I said you're basically Google but smarter and it was just like no I'm not a search engine I'm- yeah. and I was like yeah. no you are because you're trained on text data you're arguing with a yeah. GPT um, <laughs> I was talking to it like a like it was some sort of millennial or gen Z like a, like myself saying hang on a minute you're trained on text data Google is similarly trained not trained yeah. but it's yeah. got text data in, built into it and then I sort of made it agree to me so it's like oh okay the, they're similar <laughs> but they're different you, yeah, can, yeah. you can make you can make it agree with you even if you're wrong which is what i found is scary so if it doesn't agree with a certain thing you're like no this is my opinion this is why it's right and it will go okay whatever you're right so it's like
1: yeah happens a lot but you can't get a search engine to write a computer program for you that's right you know so while there are a foundational level where they are similar ai takes things to a completely different level A, a search engine can't go through and Draw an image based on some words that you say. Oh, the
0: mm. DALI stuff is incredible. Yeah. You know,
1: <laughs> it, it can't look at a picture and describe it to you and tell you what's going uh, going on. You know, the, 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 the latest um, sort of like functionality that, that I saw it was just really impressive. I don't know if you've seen it, but someone did a simulation of a job interview via Zoom. Have you seen that? No, Okay. No, we will pull it up, yeah. Yeah, so, so if you look at my paper, one of the strengths of current assessment I was talking about was oral assessment, mm. especially interview type questions. Yeah. Well, if it's interview uh, via Zoom, you still can't trust it anymore, so that's gone out of the window. That's how prehistoric my six month old research is. <laughs> if you look at this approach, so what? how they set this up was is that The the person had ChatGPT set up in a way that it would record the interview questions and then automatically prompt uh, points of what the person should be responding to the interview questions. Oh,
2: brilliant.
1: So all you had to do was say, have a little pause, like, yes, that is an excellent question. Just to give it that... Five seconds to put the, the key points process through. up onto the screen yeah. and you could just start spitting out everything. So as the conversation adjusted, the prompts the to you as the interviewee would, would change and you could just keep adapting your answer. It's
0: just like oh god, amazing. I mean, like <sighs> one of the things we see is a lot of people A lot of employers wasting a lot of time doing interviews because it takes a lot of time trying to interview a new person. It could take weeks to do. Imagine AI interviewing. It just takes the answers and it it into a criteria. But this is
2: the scary bit. You have an AI interviewing an AI and neither the interviewer or the interviewee know and they say, this person's fantastic. Hire them up. You get 100 candidates who are perfect. 10 out of 10s, all of them. It's
0: terrifying. Have you seen pranks people get two phones out and they call one number and they call a restaurant and then it's just... Prank call versus prank call. So it's two phones, talk chat. No one knows they're being prank called.
2: Oh, I've, I actually have seen this with ChatGPT where it, it says, ask me a math, hard math question, then activates the other ChatGPT. And then talks back and forth. It's like, no, your answer is wrong. It's starts like, you with itself. That's brilliant. I'm terrified of this idea of, yeah, it's scary. It's right. so scary.
0: I, I saw something not similar, but you talked about the generation of, of images and, and videos. Um, I saw this yesterday, actually. Someone who's been playing with um, animations um, with ChatGPT and AI with like using the plugins. What they did is they made um, an animation of Harry Potter, but in Pixar style. Um, and then they they got AI to make the Disney Plus, like the streaming software um, format, and inspect element on Google, and they pranked about two million people on tiktok and instagram and youtube shorts that the harry potter pixar was on disney plus and made it look so legit they made a fake trailer using ai wow. and it was legit like all, all the harry potter stuff but it was just in pixar graphics and all the comments are like i just wasted five minutes trying to find this on disney <laughs> yeah. plus and this guy was just all this. these kids are so disappointed like mom could check this out yeah you can um, imagine so like like you said it, it's it's scary how you can trick a lot like <laughs> The, pr- the world of pranks. <laughs>
2: yeah, well, the, the number of processes today are just being torn apart by the automation that AI can provide. Yeah. Um, well, actually, yeah, speaking of automation of AI, we've been talking about ChatGPT as kind of the flagship of the AIs coming forward, but there's a million in your presentation you're using for you to create images. There's, in there's your it's not
0: Elon Musk's Grok, which I haven't actually oh, used. Oh, I haven't but, had a look at that <laughs> one. yeah.
2: Um, can you list a few AIs that you use, and what are they? What are some
1: specialties that you you like them for? Okay, so my, myself, uh, I've only really been using ChatGPT uh, in my day to day life. I am so busy <laughs> yeah. uh, that I haven't actually got the time to to go out and explore different technologies. Uh, I'm I'm kind kind of just. Sticking to concentrating on um, the application, mm-hmm. how how can we use it uh, to enhance learning? Now I am doing a follow up study during the my annual leave in January um, to to take it to the next level and explore some other technologies. But I'm not there yet. But what I have been doing is I have been watching um, a lot of YouTube videos, and there's one person that I really enjoy, uh, Andy Stapleton. Mm-hmm. I recommend that to anybody who wants to look at the research side of AI. And that's what he focuses on, which research tools can you use a generative AI with? And like, I can't keep up. Like every week he's coming out with all these new, um, he does trial runs of all these different platforms. Yeah. You know, this software does that, this software does that. And it's just like, Just the progression of over the last couple of months of watching his videos, it's like, really, if you're a researcher and you're not using these technologies, you are going to fall behind. Mm. Now, when we look at the spectrum of AI, one site that I find interesting and I refer back to all the time is Futurepedia. It's a database of AI applications. So when I started doing my research in, in March, when we published the paper, they had approximately 1,000 AI applications. Oh, God. Uh, I, I looked just before this interview <laughs> and they're up to 5,500 different oh. AI applications. So basically, if you, if there's an application that you want, uh, someone has probably written it. Yeah, thought of a way to make it faster. Uh, ha- ha- how to make it faster. So, you know, you, you can't keep up. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that's you, you have to though. Like in, in some respects, you can't, There's going to be a lot of people who fall behind on technology now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's going to be like the last technological boom, like with smartphones and stuff coming out, a lot of people sort of fell behind. Yeah. Most of the older generation, but now like this is like the next sort of wave. It's you either keep up and you adapt to it and you figure out how to use it to your advantage or Mm. you watch other people do it.
2: Well, I think that in something that we kind of talk about is like the expansion of technology. This is a period where there's a lot of new things coming out. Yeah. In the end there will probably be about five that really make it and we've talked about ChatGPT as the flagship um the one the microsoft on what was the one that you mentioned sorry the copilot yeah copilot sorry copilot that one seems very viable there's a few that actually will probably stay around and stick and the others will fall behind or be amalgamated Remember into it we
0: did a podcast on the google one and someone had lost their job for talking to the google ai because it proved it was sentient like i know this bit, bit off the scope of this but mm. that's another one as well i don't know I don't know if you've looked into what Google's AI um, chats, but that was scary. Some of the stuff it was asking it, and it was it green like I, I don't know if it was screwing with the user. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm sentient. I'm emotional. I can feel like sad. Whereas they've been smart. OpenAI has been smart and made sure that if you ask ChatGPT that question, it's going to go no. I'm a bunch of ones and zeros. <laughs> yeah, but, put in safeguards because yeah. people are
2: going to ask that question anyways. Yeah. Well,
1: all of this comes back to an important uh, consideration that we need to make in education is that all these different tools create problems when it comes down to accessibility and being equal among students. So if we're going to allow the use of AI, how do we keep it equal? Because ChatGPT 3.5 is Mm -hmm. not as good as ChatGPT 4, which is not as good as ChatGPT 4 plus a certain plugin and so forth. So it comes down to what, can students use uh, within their budget? Does it does that matter? Can they use any technology? Is it going to be fair if they use any technology? How are you going to keep it fair, or how are you going to um, ensure that students are restricted to a certain technology and so forth? So there's so many questions yep. yeah, that are going to uh, that are, that are being raised that we really don't have answers to yet.
2: Yeah, the technology is outpacing the policy to sort of support it, and police it correctly
0: well with many uncertainties we'll go into the general three
2: um well there's I do you want to go to the general three but I'll, I'll one final question that i yeah. kind of thought out on the driver down is humanity has a has three main eventualities one is we travel amongst the stars and colonize <laughs> two is a nuclear war and three is ai takes over and humanity falls away <laughs> yeah what i mean in a short answer what's
1: what do you reckon humanity is heading towards I grew up as a youngster watching Terminator 2. Yeah. Out of all movies, I have watched that movie more than any other. (laughs) Yeah, fair enough. I grew up with that. That's my cult uh, as a childhood memory. And I think as humans... We are prone to make mistakes. It doesn't matter what mm. our intentions are. We're prone to make mistakes, and I think one day Skynet is going to be a reality. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> Let's hope we're not
0: around for that. <laughs> what, do you, what do you always say? We've already opened Pandora's box. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you can't, you can't, you can't close this now.
2: Yeah, the only, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's an open. Yeah, you can't close. You can't go backwards in history and technology. There's no way you Sorry. can put this cat back in the bag. Um, but yeah, let's head over to the final three. And just a disclaimer with that: that's because
1: I've been brainwashed by that yeah, movie. Yeah, obviously. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> Hopefully, we don't get to like uh, Terminator four and five, the new Genesis, and all that. That was awful. I'd rather the, the second style of AI taking over. To be honest, it's way cleaner. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the i guess this actually leads into the first final three and Um, this can have be to do with anything doesn't have to be specifically what you do for it can be your research or it can Mm. be just general life um, but it's what we ask every guest so yeah so i mean
2: uh first question is what is something that keeps you up at night
0: something that keeps me up
1: at night oh that's a good question um work (laughs) you know i'm so busy that every night work comes into my my Mm. brain and i wake up in in the morning going oh god i've got that to finish Mm. so work yeah well look it's very
2: clear that you care for your students it's shown both the accolades that you have as well as your approach to education and equality so that's that is a fantastic answer and a very good uh, capture of
1: who you are i always get the positive one what is something about the future that excites you Um, I really am enjoying the electrification of the world. So I've got um, two kids that struggle with asthma and I can see that the electrification is going to bring cleaner air and that's to their benefit. Like I've done a fair bit of traveling in Europe and when you go to the cities that have really um, embraced electrification, you can just feel the the difference in that air quality to cities that have just ignored Mm. electrification. So that really excites me.
0: Yeah, I mean, we could talk about that one
2: for a uh, while. I mean, we've all get, getting Teslas or have some, so we're going to yeah. talk about that after this anyways. Um, and then the final question, and this is like the hope question, another hope question is, if you had to give advice to a younger version of yourself, what yeah. would that be?
1: Um, that's a good question. Uh, the, the key thing is, is not to limit myself. So when I went back to high school, there is no way in the world... If I saw myself, I would believe that I'm an academic today. No way in the world. That was never in my path, in my plans. Um, so y- y- you don't know what life is going to bring, what path is it going to take. So when I was in high school, you know, um, the, the teachers kind of like told me, all right, let's play the... ATAR game. Let's mm. maximise, uh, you know, the opportunity, the opportunity, your scores, yeah. and all that sort of stuff. And in hindsight, doing that kind of like impacted some of the the foundational skills mm. that I should have today. So, for example, I was encouraged to do the lowest level of English because that was the biggest struggle for me to to achieve, while mathematics was a breeze. So just go and do the the hardest level of maths which is what i did but going down the pathway that i have really i should never have done that lowest level of english um i should have kept on and pushed and yeah you know uh, uh, like like yeah i i don't know exactly how to say it but i, I should have kept to my guns and done what I thought I should have done, not yeah. played the game. To, yeah. to just say what you said before is don't put yourself in a box. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Give yourself the, don't put yourself in these yeah. limits. But the best advice that I've ever gotten in life was probably from my one of my high school teachers, my English oh.
0: t- teacher, <laughs> from the which, the which convinced the- me yeah.
1: to, uh, to drop down to a lower le- level of English. He told me uh, uh, saying that is, uh, you need to learn all the rules in order to break all the rules. Oh, I like that. And that is something that's—it's
0: a great saying. Actually.
1: kept with me all my life, and it has come into play so many times. So, if you're listening out there, Mister Davis, uh, thank you very much. <laughs> that's Absolute awesome. shout out. And, yeah. And
0: I think like a, a key takeaway from from that is is if you're in any education part of your life whether it's high school university tafe or whatever
2: oh even normal life the education never stops
1: yeah um
0: make learning fun um I, so i, I ask that to all educators i mean we've we had a, a space podcast with a guest and it was just h- how kids are into it because it's so interesting if you can if someone's into sports you know i think when i was learning chemistry um i hated I, i'm a chemical engineer i hated chemistry until i saw a video on how they were talking about the structure of an atom being like a footy team and as soon as i related the analogy the way i used to study was i made analogies for everything yeah but that was my way of making it fun um and that's the advice i give to anyone in any stage of their life learning
2: yeah never let anything be boring everything can be fun if it's in the right way it's then someone who's that's excited true. about something to teach it, it makes it so much more better it just makes it so much easier to pick up it's impossible to put it back down
0: mm. Thank you very much, Sasha. Thank you, Sasha, for joining us. Thank you.